I'm Mark Bertrand. I'm here with Delta David Geyer, and this is Hearing the Music, a show where we explore musical masterpieces and the meaning behind them. David is the music director of the South Dakota Symphony Orchestra, and I'm a novelist and the pastor of Grace Presbyterian Church in Sioux Falls. Together, we've been working our way through the St. John Passion, Bach's Good Friday masterpiece. This is episode four, Dissolve My Heart. So I have to begin this episode with an apology to David because I have split two arias that really go together. In the last episode, we spent a lot of time unpacking Es ist vollbracht, the aria related to Christ's words, it is finished. But the one that follows almost immediately afterward asks a lot of questions that are prompted by that statement. And so David's mind, they really go together. So David, my apologies, and also explain to us why it is that these two pieces really live side by side. Well, you did wound me, Mark. I apologize. It's not the first time or the last time. <laughs> um, yeah, they do go hand in hand to me. The, uh, the, the S is full Brock that is finished is, uh, is such a, a wonderfully contemplative meditation that brings us into the pathos of the moment of Christ's, uh, Christ's death. Mein teurer Heiland, lass dich fragen, my precious Savior, let me ask you, um, is, is, the, is the answer to that. The, 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 uh, having come through the suffering, we come to this point of, of what's our response, personally and collectively? And we get both the personal and the collective in a, in a very surprisingly inventive way in this particular aria. But in the, in the course of this, um, the soloists actually, he, he says, let me ask you, and he has three very important questions. Yeah, I mean, I love the, the placement of this. So the evangelist will set this up with a, a brief statement. He bowed his head and departed. So Christ has died. And then immediately after his death, we get this aria saying, my precious Savior, let me ask, let me ask you these questions about the significance of your death. And you get three questions. Uh, The first is, am I made free from death because of your death? The second is, can I, through your pain and death, inherit the kingdom of heaven? And then the third is, has the redemption of the whole world arrived? As you listen, you can, can hear kind of the emphasis in the first question it's freedom from death. So, so have I been rescued from the consequences of sin? And the second question, it's can I now inherit the kingdom of heaven? So where there's a freedom from sin in the first part, in the second part, it's like a freedom to inherit, to be what I was created to be. And the third question really sums up all of it. Does this now mean that the redemption of the world has arrived? Have you done the work of redemption now? Those are the the questions that are being asked of Christ in this moment. Yes, uh, it, 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 as you're reading the questions for the first time, it's, it's, it's really occurring to me that this is further answered by the final chorus, uh, where he talks about, we'll get to in a moment, but it talks about that the gates of hell being closed and the gates of heaven being opened through this, through this redemptive act on the cross. 
Um, There's something that happens here musically, too, that's worth mentioning, where, like, something takes place here that hasn't happened in the whole piece. We've been talking about chorales. We've been talking about arias and their various functions. But here, we get an aria and a chorale at the same time. That's right. They're interspersed. So the question, sometimes the question is happening simultaneously. Sometimes the question's asked in between verses of a chorale, the text of which is, Jesus, you who were dead, live now unendingly. In the last pangs of death, I will turn nowhere else but to you who has absolved me, O beloved Lord. Only give me what you, what you earned. More do I not desire. So as the questions are being asked, it's being answered by, by, the, by the chorus. Um, again, the, the tune, the chorale tune, uh, the words would have been known to the congregation. So what should we listen for in this music? Well, we talked about the last aria, it is finished as being intimate. This is also intimate in a different way. Um, we have a solo uh, cello here, uh, played by our former principal cello, Maxim Kozlov. And it's in dialogue with the soloist. The, the melody that is played is, is lilting. It's, it's gently dancing. It's like we've been freed. It's tender, but not sentimental. We tend to, to attach a lot of our own sentiments to religious feeling. But I don't think that Bach ever erred into the sentimental. The other thing I would point out is that the soloist here, Stephen Condy, is a sympathetic soloist. So we've, we've done a lot of sacred music here uh, at the STSO, and it's, it's interesting when people have a sympathy towards the text and when they don't. Sometimes it's a genuine you know, religious uh, connection to the text. Sometimes it's, it's just a knowledge of it and what needs to be communicated uh, sometimes I find myself working with soloists for Messiah or something like that, where I actually have to really explain, you know, theologically here, what's happening, what the composer intends for you to communicate, how to communicate it to the audience. Uh, in Stephen's case, none of that <laughs> applied because he, he sings it with an, a full knowledge and a deep internalization of these questions. You can hear it in his voice. Da 
simply beautiful. The soloist at the end acknowledges that Jesus is bowing his head and saying silently, yes, yes to all three of the questions. Am I made free from death? Yes. Can I, through your pain and death, inherit the kingdom of heaven? Yes. And has the redemption of the whole world arrived? Yes. So now we reach the second part of the St. John Passion, where Bach reaches into Matthew's gospel in order to supplement the story. Here he quotes Matthew 27, verses 51 and 52, to provide these details that, behold, the temple uh, curtain was torn in two pieces from top to bottom. The earth shook and the cliffs were rent, and the graves opened up, and many bodies of the saints arose. So he gives us that, that scene and then what follows is a reaction to that experience. So we get a brief arioso, which is an immediate reaction, and it also sets up questions, a, a big question that, that arguably the rest of the St. John Passion is designed to answer in various ways. Right, so you'll hear tenor Heath Huberg here in this little arioso. It means a, a small aria 
these events taken from Matthew, the earthquake, and so on, are encapsulated by him speaking to himself. The first two words you'll hear are, my heart. And at the end of it, what will you, for your part, do? What is your response, my heart, speaking to himself? How should we we respond? And we'll see how that plays out for the rest of the Passion. tenor has just set up the question for us, what for your part will you do in response, in light of all of the things that have just transpired? We have two answers, one for solo soprano and the other for chorus. The first one is is very personal. Uh, The text of it is, dissolve my heart in floods of tears. Here sung by Soprano Hannah Celeste Lou, accompanied by one flute, one English horn, and the organ and cello. It's a very intimate aria. Uh, she sings this first part, Dis- Dissolve My Heart. And then you'll notice with the text, Tell the world in heaven the anguish, your Jesus is dead. That at that moment, the accompaniment also dissolves and leaves the soprano in a kind of desolate spot, just proclaiming. Your Jesus is dead. Thank you. 
in that gorgeous singing and playing, there were a couple of Baroque conventions that you may have noticed. One is these very short notes that you heard in both the accompaniment and the soprano, which are tears falling, and also this sighing motif, the this, you know, for us still today, we, we hear that and we, and we feel this sort of mourning quality to it. So that is, was obviously recognizable to, to Bach's uh, congregation at the time as it is for us today. Now we go to the, the second answer, which is a chorus, the penultimate piece uh, in the St. John Passion. Um, so if, the, if this aria's answer was our personal so response of mourning at the death of Christ, Mark, perhaps now we're looking for the meaning. Yeah, I think there is a, a distance between the two responses. The first one has the sense of immediacy of the, the trauma of death that is accompanied by mourning. But in the second answer, in the chorus, there's actually a, a, a prayer to Christ to rest well and to bring me peace. And it actually says, now I will no longer mourn you. So the period of mourning is over, and now there's a, a sense of hopeful anticipation, a kind of uh, looking forward to what will come as we stand by the graveside of Christ. Yeah, it's, it's worth noting that uh, the intervening recitative between these two answers does talk about Christ's bur burial, Joseph of Arimathea taking the body and preparing it, and, and all of that story, the background uh, of, of this passage. So this response then to our witnessing of Christ's burial. Yeah, I think there's a, a, a good way of thinking about it in the text itself, which reads in translation, the grave that is allotted to you and encloses no further suffering opens heaven for me and closes off hell. So at this moment, the suffering of Christ has come to an end. As his body is committed to the grave, and the chorus sings, rest well, his suffering is at an end. What's left is to anticipate the glory of the opening of heaven to his people as a result of what he has endured. The final chorale of the St. John Passion is an expression of hope, an expression of faith. 
it ties into the lullaby nature of the previous chorus. The text is, Ah, Lord, let your dear little angel at my final end take my soul to Abraham's bosom. Let my body in its little sleeping chamber, absolutely softly without any anguish or pain, rest until the last day. But then it goes on to express quite a triumphant hope, Mark. Yes, the text says, At that day, wake me from death so that my eyes may see you in all joy, O Son of God. And there you have, in a nutshell, the hope of the gospel. There's a similarity, a likeness to Jesus in his death. But that likeness is predicated on a hope that we will also be raised from the dead, as Jesus was. And so it makes perfect sense at the end of the St. John Passion, as we reflect on everything that has happened up to this moment, and we think about Christ on Good Friday, leaving him as it were, in the tomb, we think of our own death. We are reminded of our own mortality. And then the prayer becomes that, that I, in my death, might commend myself to God in the hope of the resurrection, which, of course, on Good Friday has not yet been celebrated. That waits till Easter. But there's still the anticipation, the hope, that you can hear brimming in these words and in this music. We want to thank you for listening to Hearing the Music. Throughout the show, you've heard excerpts from the SDSO's 2014 performance of the St. John Passion. You can hear the entire performance online, listen to bonus episodes, and check out our reading list and more by visiting hearingthemusic.org. <laughs>